Thank you. Thank you, Reverend Mark. Thank you, Spring Hill, the invitation. Thank you to my One Fellowship family for supporting, for your encouragement, for being a fantastic family with which to study and to meditate on and to reflect upon the Word of God. (laughs) If you all would, please turn to the book of Exodus. This evening for our scripture reading, our passage will come from Exodus, Exodus chapter 33, we will begin in verse 12, and we will go through verse 23. If you could please, once you have uh, found the passage, stand for the reading of scripture this evening. Exodus chapter 33 Verses 12 through 23. Amen. And the word reads, Then Moses said to the Lord, mm-hmm. See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you yourself have not let me know whom you will send with me. Moreover, you have said, I have known you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray you, if I have found favor in your sight, let me know your ways, that I may know you, so that I may find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence shall go with you, and I will give you rest. Then he said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not lead us up from here. Mm -hmm. For how can it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not by you going with us so that we, I and your people, may be distinguished from all the other people who are upon the face of the earth? Mm -hmm. And so the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing of which you have spoken. For you have found favor in my sight, and I have known you by name. Then Moses said, I pray you, show me your glory. Mm. And he said, I myself will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will show compassion on whom I will show compassion. Mm -hmm. But then he said, you cannot see my face Mm. for no man can see me and live. Mm. Then the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me, and you shall stand there on the rock, and it will come about while my glory is passing by, that I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take my hand away, and you shall see my back, but my Mm. face shall never be seen. Mm. The word of God to the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to God. My friends, as I reflect upon our theme for this revival, walking in His glory, Mm -hmm. I think through the famous characters of the Bible who encountered the glory of God in a very real way. Uh I think through the heroes of the faith Uh who have come before us and who have tasted and truly seen how good our God is. Come on now. 
I think through the prophets of old. And I remember their stories. When they glimpsed the manifestation of the glory. I think about Elijah on Mount Carmel when fire fell from heaven. I think about Isaiah who found himself in the throne room of God in the year that King Uzziah died. I think about Ezekiel in his great temple vision when he witnesses the glory of God ascend above the temple and go forth with the people. All right. But my friends, when I think about the prophets of old who encountered the glory of God, uh-huh. few can rival the experience of Moses. Oh. oh, my friends, among the prophets of the Bible, few have the kind of experience that Moses had. The truth is that Moses uh-huh. holds a remarkably special place All right. among the prophets of okay. the Hebrew Bible. Uh-huh. You see, my friends, Moses is, we could say, a bit of an archetype of what it means to be a prophet All right. in the Jewish faith. Come on now. You have to understand that when other prophets are going to come to the people of Israel, All right. they will be measured uh-huh. against the standard All right. of Moses. Uh-huh. In fact, many times when we read the prophetic text, the prophetic text will tell us come on now. that they walked in the footsteps uh. of Moses. All right, now. The Lord comes to Moses, and so Moses says, God, I, I cannot accomplish this task. I cannot speak. All right. The Lord comes to Isaiah, and Isaiah has a remarkably similar thing to say. Uh-huh. The Lord comes to Jeremiah. Jeremiah, in chapter 1, has a remarkably similar thing to say. Uh-huh. And my friends, we find time and time again, just as the prophet Moses was not received so are the other prophets who follow in his footsteps. Amen. Often not received. My friends, Moses is, a, is the archetype of what it means to be a prophet uh-huh. in the Jewish faith. Yeah. And my friends, it is perhaps Moses' revered place among the prophets uh-huh. that makes this request that he uh-huh. makes of God All right. so shocking this evening. Uh-huh. Because you see, my friends, Moses, in fact, makes uh, two requests of God. The great Moses, the archetype of what it means to be a prophet. Okay. The great Moses, the one who, who spoke to God almost as if someone would speak to a friend. The great Moses, who him. witnesses the yeah. presence of God descend yeah. down upon the tabernacle. That uh-huh. Moses yeah. has two requests of God that, yeah. truth be told, Amen. I find a little bit shocking this evening. Yeah. The first request of Moses, if you are pleased with me, teach me your ways. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways. Wait a second. This is Moses we are talking about. Uh This is the prophet through whom God delivers Torah to the people of Israel. This is the prophet through whom God delivers to the people on Mount Sinai his very instructions. If there was anyone who knew the ways of God, surely it would be Moses. Uh-huh. Is that not true? Uh-huh. If there was anyone who knew the Torah of God, the law of God, would it not be Moses? Yeah. And now we here have this Moses, this great leader of the people, this great prophet, uh-huh. who was just up on Mount Sinai receiving the tablets from God. Uh-huh. Coming before God once again. God, if you are pleased with me, teach me your ways. Teach me your ways. This is remarkably perplexing 
Because if there was any prophets uh -huh. who knew the ways of God, yeah. surely it was Moses. Uh -huh. And yet here we are in the book of Exodus, friends, camped at the base of Mount Sinai. Uh -huh. Moses just spent 40 days and 40 nights on that mountain in the presence of God, receiving instructions from God. The mountain quaked, <clears throat> billowed with smoke, uh -huh. and there Moses was in the presence of God, and yet he comes out of this presence. Uh -huh. says, now God, teach me your ways. Teach me your ways. Striking, my friends. And of course, uh, Moses does not stop there. He has a second request of God that is equally as striking. Come on now. Show me your glory. Uh -huh. Well, now hang on. This is Moses we are speaking about, is it not? <laughs> Moses, if any prophet encountered the glory of God, surely it was Moses. Am I correct? After all, the very Moses who stood before the most powerful empire in the world to speak God's word. Uh -huh. the, the very Moses who witnessed the hand of God move across Egypt and bring the most powerful empire in the world to its knees. Uh -huh. The very God, the, the, the very Moses who, who witnessed God separate the Red Sea to lead the people of Israel forth from captivity. If there was any prophet who had seen the glory of God, surely it was Moses. Yes, sir. Yeah. And now here we are. Uh -huh. After that journey, after all of those experiences, after witnessing God leading the people through the here we are now with Moses once again asking, show me uh -huh. your glory. Yes. And it strikes me as unusual because if any prophet knows the ways of God, uh -huh. it is Moses. All right, now. Because if any prophet has tasted the glory of God, uh -huh. it is Moses. It's Moses. And yet Moses, immediately after coming out of the presence of God, God, now teach me your ways. Uh -huh. God, now show me your glory. All right, now. Which makes me think that maybe no matter how much I have learned, no matter how much I have encountered the glory of God in the past, there may always be a little something more that God has for me. Talk to us. My friends, there is an old rabbinic story uh -huh. in the Talmud. And my one fellowship family, they know that I'm going to an old rabbinic story. I am known for telling old rabbinic stories. Truth be told, I have gleaned a lot of wisdom from the rabbis of old. There's a famous story about Moses when he was standing up on Mount Sinai. Uh-huh. And, and the as the story goes, God was up on the mountain and God was inscribing the words of Torah All right. on those stone tablets okay. with his very finger. Uh -huh. And as the story goes, God was taking his time, uh -huh. adding what are called in the Aramaic the, the crowns of the letters. If you've ever seen Hebrew calligraphy, uh -huh. it is very beautiful. Uh -huh. Because the Hebrew scribes know that these words are meant to convey beauty into this world. They're meant to convey life into this world. So they take their time. All right, now. With every individual letter. Wow. Making it beautiful. Uh. And so there God is up on Mount Sinai with his very finger making the words of Torah beautiful. Come on now. And Moses is standing there on Mount Sinai and he asks God, he says, God, why... Do you take your time? Can't you just write the words so we can read them? Why must you labor over every stroke of the pen? All right, now. And so God tells Moses, Moses, you do not understand. There will come a day when a rabbi will look so intensely 
into every stroke of the pen to find divine wisdom. He will look at every stroke, every dot, every tittle. And Moses thinks to, my, to, to himself, he says, wow, that is remarkable devotion to look so intently into the word. To look at every individual stroke of the pen to find divine wisdom. And so Moses says to, to God, he says, Lord, I want to meet this rabbi. I want to see this rabbi. Come on now. And God says, walk backwards, Moses. And so Moses begins walking backwards there on Mount Sinai. And he finds himself suddenly transported into the academy of the great Rabbi Akiva. Yeah. Rabbi Akiva is one of the most famous teachers in Judaism. He taught around the time of Jesus, uh, shortly after. Uh -huh. And Rabbi Akiva is just known for, for this, this uh, incomprehensible amount of wisdom uh -huh. in his teachings. Uh -huh. And there Moses is standing in the, the academy of Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva is teaching and, and Rabbi Akiva's students are all sitting. And the text tells us that Moses was in the eighth row. Ah, wow. Now you see, my friends, there, there's a bit of a joke here. Uh, uh -huh. there's, an old, there's some old rabbinic humor going on because you see, <laughs> in Rabbi Akiva's synagogue, all of the students, and they would travel from around the world to study with this rabbi, just to study Torah with this rabbi. They would sit from front to back with those who had been there the longest, those who had the most learning, the most understanding, those who had spent the most time studying. Okay were up front uh -huh. because they'd spent the most time and the new students sat in the back. Uh -huh. And over time, as you spent time there in the academy and, and the students in the front row uh, moved on to go be rabbis and teach elsewhere, you would over time move up as you gained more wisdom, more understanding. Uh -huh. What row was Moses in? The Rabbi Akiva Synagogue only had seven rows. <laughs> <laughs> And here's what this message conveys. The Moses of Mount Sinai did not even rank among Rabbi Akiva's least learned students. He was out in the hallway trying to listen in. And Moses is sitting there listening to Rabbi Akiva. And Rabbi Akiva is just teaching. There's all this wisdom coming forth. And have y'all ever had that experience where you're talking to someone and you know they're really smart and you have no idea what they're saying. <laughs> Please someone tell me that's not just me. <laughs> and, and we know the routine, we kind of smile and nod. And like, <laughs> but inside we're like, I, I, I'm lost. <laughs> that's what Moses felt listening to Rabbi Akiva teach. Moses stood there in, in, in the back, and, and the, the story says he grew faint because he was afraid that Rabbi Akiva had, had somehow changed Torah, had somehow changed the word of God. After all, Moses was the one who, who carried these tablets down. Surely, uh -huh. if anyone knows the words, it would be Moses. Uh -huh. And then a student in the front row raises their hands, and they say, Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Akiva, from where do you get all of this wisdom? And Rabbi Akiva pauses, 
and, and he responds with, with the Aramaic. He, he says, from the way of Moses, from Sinai. And then Moses understood that these words that had been delivered to the people coming from God had so much divine wisdom inside of them, so much guidance and instruction inside of them, that even Moses didn't understand their potential. Mm. Even Moses didn't realize how much was buried in there. Mm. You could study those words your entire life and barely scratch the surface Mm. of the divine wisdom in there. Mm. It would take generations just to begin to appreciate Mm. how much divine wisdom is buried into every stroke of the pen Mm. of Torah. Mm. And you see, my friends, here's... Here's what I, what I realized when I look at these questions that Moses asks. The Moses who came out of the presence of God and then says, now God, teach me your ways. The mm-hmm. Moses who came out of the presence of God and said, now God, show me your glory. Mm-hmm. Is that Moses knew something. Moses knew that no matter how much he had learned about God, mm-hmm. there was always still more. Amen. Moses knew that no matter how much he had experienced the glory of God, mm-hmm. God always still had something more for him. Amen. You cannot exhaust the glory of God. You cannot exhaust the instructions of God. Mm-hmm. You see, my friends, no matter what we have experienced, that is never all of God. Mm-hmm. No matter what we have experienced of God, that is never all of God. Turn and tell someone, that's not all. That's not all. You may have had an experience with God, but that is not all. You may have learned something about God, but that is not all. You may have at one point glimpsed the glory of God manifesting in your life, but that is not all. Turn and tell someone that's not all. all. Because you see, no matter what we have experienced, there is always something more that God has for us. No matter what God has revealed to us, there is always something more for us to understand, something around the corner that God is ready to open our eyes to. My friends, perhaps we could even say, no matter what we have experienced in the past, Mm -hmm. where God's glory has manifested to us, Mm -hmm. if we really want to learn to walk in the glory of God, we have to realize that that's not all. Turn and tell someone, that's not all. That's not all. The Apostle Paul, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, when he is talking about the Mosaic Covenant, and he is speaking about the glory that came with the Mosaic Covenant, Uh he says in chapter 3, verse uh, verse 18, that we are brought, and and the word there can even be uh, translated as transformed, we are transformed Mm -hmm. from glory to glory. You see, my friends, some translations will even say that that there is a transformation from one degree of glory Mm -hmm. to another. Mm -hmm. You see, my friends, the thing to observe here is that just because we at one point have glimpsed the glory of God Mm -hmm. does not mean that by any means that is all that God has ever had for us. Mm -hmm. Because, you see, God is in the business of taking us from glory to glory. You see, my friends, God is in the business of taking us from one experience that opens our eyes to just how great he is to the next experience that opens our eyes to how much greater he is. Our God is in the business of taking us from one instruction to the next. Turn and tell someone that's not all. That's not all. And you see this particular passage 
in 2 Corinthians speaks about the glory of God manifesting through the Mosaic Covenant. It speaks of this glory that Moses experienced, the glory on Mount Sinai. But this passage tells us that there is another glory, that there is another glory that God leads us into. Mm. The one brought through Jesus Christ. Amen. Someone should say amen here. Amen. Because you see, my friends, the glory is so great that it makes those past experiences seem so small. Here is what I mean. Have you ever had a great day? And then years later, you have an even better day that made that day, truth be told, seem rather small. Has anyone ever been there? Well, my friends, this is what it means to be brought from glory to glory is that you have that experience with glory and you have to understand that God has something so much bigger around the corner. That through Jesus, God brings us from that one glory into the next glory. And by the time we move into that next glory, it seems so great. That past one seems almost small because there is always something more. Tell someone that's not all. That's not all. You see, my friends, that's how God works. God may reveal something to us, but that does not mean that God is done with us yet. God may open our eyes to something, but that does not mean that he is done with us yet. God may open our spirits, but that does not mean that he is done with us yet. No matter what we have experienced, there's always a new experience waiting for us around the corner. No matter what glory we have glimpsed in the past, there is always more to God's glory for us to see. There is always more to God's glory for us to understand. And that's what I think Moses understood. Moses, the greatest of the prophets in the Hebrew tradition, in the Jewish faith. The Moses, after witnessing God bringing the people of Israel out from Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Moses, after witnessing crossing through the Red Sea. Moses, after after seeing the the very presence of God manifest in the camp of of the Israelites. This is the Moses who who is going to eventually see God leading the people as a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And this is how he can come right out of the presence of God and still say, now, God, show me your glory. Because I know that's not all. Now, God, teach me your ways because I know that's not all. Turn and tell someone that's not all. We should probably take a moment to define this term glory, shouldn't we? Because you see, my friends, sometimes in our modern world, when we use the word glory, we, we can think of something that is uh, perhaps spectacular, maybe. Uh-huh. Perhaps we could say uh, o- almost something shiny. Sometimes we say something is glorious because it sparkles and it's pretty. Uh-huh. But we have to understand that, that this Hebrew word for glory is perhaps a little more, we could say, weighty. Uh-huh. The word for glory is kavod. Uh-huh. And the word can be translated as honorable. Uh-huh. It can be cl- translated as glorious. Uh-huh. But at its core, If you really want to understand what it is, it means weightiness, Mm. significance, Mm. heavy. Mm. Think of something heavy that is so massive, it is significant. Mm. That is the Hebrew concept of glory, the kavod. Mm. You see, my friends, it's not when something is shiny and looks pretty. It's, It's more like this. The earth is massive. The earth is so heavy, so weighty, that we even have a moon that revolves around it. We could say that uh, a moon that is uh, 240,000 miles away is still impacted by the weightiness of the earth. That is the power of the earth's kavod. That is the power of the earth's glory. 
And we can keep going and talk about the sun because the sun is huge. It's massive. It has this massive gravitational pull. It's just so incredibly weighty that entire planets get caught up in its orbit, revolve around its very existence from billions of miles away. That is significance. That is glory. And so, my friends, when we talk about the glory of God manifesting, Uh We are talking about the very weightiness, the very heaviness, we would say the very significance Mm. of the presence of our God in that moment. Mm. And our entire lives get caught up into its orbits. Our entire lives get transformed Mm. by this weightiness, by this significance anytime it manifests before us. And so, my friends, when we talk about walking in the glory of God, when we talk about witnessing the glory of God... It is to experience the massiveness of our God, the bigness of our God, the inescapable weightiness Uh. of our God Uh. in this cosmos. Uh. And I don't know about you, my friends, but that leads me to think that my life should get caught up in God's orbit. No matter how far away I may drift. No no matter how much significance you think God has, Uh no matter how much glory you may have glimpsed in the past, Uh there is always more. There is always, always more. Because our God continually leads us Uh from glory Uh to glory. Our God continually leads us from understanding just how massive this God is. Uh To understanding, wow, this God is so much bigger than I thought before. Uh Every day we should wake up and realize God is bigger than we thought the day before. Thank you, Jesus. You see, my friends, sometimes, sometimes we don't, we don't keep moving from glory to glory. Uh Sometimes we decide that we would like to pause for a moment in one experience Mm. and set up camp. Sometimes we decide that we would not like to go along with this particular process that God has for us, moving us from glory to glory, because we taste that God is good. We see that God is good, and we want to stay there in that moment, Uh not realizing that God may have something bigger for us right around the corner. We sometimes speak about going up to the mountaintop. Has anyone ever been up to the top of the mountain? Mm. Proverbially speaking, metaphorically speaking, we go up that mountaintop to have an experience with our God. Mm. But how many of the prophets stay up on that mountain? (laughs) And that's the thing. Sometimes we get up there and we experience that God is good. And we want to wait in that moment. We want to camp in that moment. We want to stay in that moment. And we stop moving from glory to glory. And we just kind of camp out in that memory of what God did for us 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. And you know what? That was a significant moment. It's those moments in our lives when the glory of God manifests to us that become really pillars in our faith. Our faith revolves and can coalesce around that. But those memories of the past, they should be pillars in our faith not the outer walls. Amen. They should be pillars, not the outer walls, because that's not all that God has for us. Mm-hmm. It's a dangerous thing when we decide we want to set up camp mm. and stop moving from glory to glory. Mm. Because over time, 
that experience, that glory, when we tasted and saw that God was good, that starts growing dim in the past. Go on now. It becomes distance. Uh-huh. Then one day we wake up and it's not that we made a decision to walk away from God. It's not that we made a decision to leave. We just find ourselves feeling a little distance. Come on now. I'm not really sure how it happens. Come on now. It wasn't yesterday. It wasn't the day before. It was just the combination of months and years uh-huh. moving through our day in and day out routine. And one morning we wake up and we say, my, it's been a long time since I've tasted and seen just how God, good God is. Mm. We say, my, it's been a long time since that glory has manifest mm. right there before me. Yes. I've been taught that that's the, greatest, that's the devil's greatest trick. Complacency. Amen. Telling us we're fine where we are. Amen. It's all right, you can set up camp there. It's all right, Elijah. You can set up camp there on Mount Carmel. Good thing happened there. You don't have to ever know what God has for you waiting on Mount Horeb or on the other side. To make us think that that's enough. Because you see, my friends, when we think that we've learned all there is to learn about God, we no longer have a need to keep learning, do we? When we think we've seen all there is that God has to show us, uh-huh. we have no need to open our eyes again, do we? Uh-huh. When our hearts and our minds become stagnant, yes. when they stop growing, yes. our actions become stagnant. Yes. And when our actions become stagnant, my friends, our Christian witness becomes stagnant. Uh-huh. Yes, my friends, it is a frightening thing to be fooled into thinking that we've experienced just all that God has for us. Uh-huh. It's a frightening thing to think that the glories of the past are the only glories that God ever intended for us to glimpse. Come on now. Come on. Come on. Our entire life with God, revolving around just one moment. And that one moment keeps growing more and more distant every day that we wake up. Uh-huh. Until one day my prayer is, hmm, I would like to taste that again. Mm. 10 years, mm. 15 years, 20 years, however long it's been. Mm. Moses, the greatest prophet. Mm-hmm. Moses, the one who witnessed the actions of God. Day in, day out. Moses, the one who stood in the presence of God. As soon as he comes out of the presence, his prayer. God, teach me your ways. Teach me your ways. God, show me your glory. Yes. Yeah. You see, my friends, I understand that this evening is a revival. Uh-huh. One of the goals of a revival is to revive something within us. Yes. And so I ask, what needs reviving this evening, church? Huh. What, needs what needs reviving in our own hearts? Mm. Has it been a while mm. since we've tasted and seen that God is good? Mm. Has it been a while since we have seen the glory of God in our lives? Mm. It's not that we intend to walk away. Just wake up one day and say, wow, it has been a while. Mm. And there's something in there that needs reviving. There's something in there that is calling out, God, show me your glory. Show me your glory. Yeah. Amen.